looking at the next major section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has dealt with the corrupt teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now he's going to deal with the corrupt practice. He's going to cover three areas of Jewish piety, which they were very concerned about. That is giving, praying, and fasting. And so he's going to deal with what is and what should be our motivation for these external acts of righteousness. Last week we looked at verse 1 of chapter 6, take heed that you do not your alms, your righteous deeds, those external acts of righteousness, before men. Now, some of what we do will be before men, but the motivation's in the next phrase, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. In other words, we're not to do these righteous deeds like being gazed at as a spectacle. Um, we get our English word theater from the idea of this word to be seen by men. We're not supposed to have the purpose, the motivation for what we do to be gaining the applause of men. Let's move on in the section. We're going to look at uh, verses 2 through 4. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, in this context, the word alms means giving, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, your giving, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It was interesting here in this section on giving, verses 2 through 4, giving done by us is assumed by the Lord. Giving is assumed, that it is assumed that we will be giving. And so the first example that Jesus covers is giving. The idea of one of the righteous external acts that we do is giving. Now the thou, notice, is singular. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, or when you do your alms, that makes this application very personal. And giving is something that is personal, but it is something that speaks now to each of us as we are seated in a crowd, much like the, the crowd that Jesus was preaching to, it's like he's singling individuals out. Not that, you know, he was calling them by name, but the word thou there is making this application personal. And the idea of the alms here is giving to the needy. It could be acts of mercy. It could be acts of kindness. But this word was generally used, primarily used, of giving money or clothes or food to the poor. And again, notice that it's assumed that this is something that we would do. Jesus is presupposing that we will give. He expects us to give. It's taken for granted that we will give. But in this section, Jesus is teaching that not all giving is pleasing to the Father. Not all giving is a genuine act of righteousness. And we see that 
in these verses. Now, almsgiving to the poor was commanded to the Jewish people. Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 8 says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Now, the idea here is, you know, if I can put it into today's uh, culture, having a wad of $1 bills in your hand and you want to give to your, the, the one who is poor and needy, and as you hold out your hand to give to him, you're, you're kind of tightly grasping those $1 bills so he can only take a few of them or maybe none at all, but you're holding on to that money. And, and the Lord says, no, we're to open our hand wide to him. We're to give willingly, lending him whatever is sufficient for his need. Deuteronomy 15, 11, for the poor will never cease from the land. That's an interesting statement. We will never, ever get rid of the poor out of our land. There will always be people who have needs in our community, in our lives, among our church members, even in our families, in our neighborhoods, the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Now, there are numerous verses. I will just mention these to get them on the recording. If you want to jot some of them down, Proverbs 14.21, Proverbs 19.17, Proverbs 21.13, Proverbs 28.27, Exodus 23.10-11, Exodus 30.15, Leviticus 19.10, Leviticus 25.35, Deuteronomy 15.7-11, Jeremiah 22.16, Daniel 4.27, Amos 2.6-7. All of these verses have the idea that God blesses those who give to those who are in need. And we are commanded to give to those who are in need. An interesting statement by a commentator said this, God takes care of the poor and needy, and he does that through his people. It's interesting. God takes care of the poor and needy, and he does it through his people. Now, the word alms here... Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, your giving, that Greek word actually comes from a root, which means to have compassion or to be merciful. This root takes us beyond the actual act of giving to the spirit which prompts the giving. It should be an act of compassion, an act of mercy, something that is, is internal within us that moves us to give. There are a lot of people who give, but they do so with all sorts of other motives, but they are not moved internally from that idea of compassion or to be merciful. So the issue is not whether we will give, or in this section, pray or fast, but how we do it, and why we do it. What is the motivation behind it? Now, in verse 2, there are those who will give for the sole purpose of gaining the praise of men. 
Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And why would someone sound a trumpet before them? You want to draw attention to it and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So there are going to be those, and there will always be those, who will give for the sole purpose of gaining praise of men. Hypocrites will give, and here's this big word again, ostentatiously. Ostentatiously, and they will do it publicly. And Jesus is saying, don't let your giving be like this. Hypocrites will be like those who sound a trumpet. Now, if you are walking down the street and all of a sudden you hear a trumpet, what's, what do you do? What do you do? You turn to look. Hopefully a Christian looks up. <laughs> okay? But in this case, the idea of the sounding of the trumpet is it's a really public thing. And you will turn to look at where that sound came from. And the reason that they are doing it, and here it says that they are sounding the trumpet before them, in other words, drawing attention to themselves, they are announcing their giving with trumpet, with a trumpet, to attract attention, to impress other people. Now, I searched the commentaries, and uh, I'll probably mention it later here, but it may not be in this verse talking about a literal trumpet. We've often heard it preached that, you know, the hypocrites were blowing trumpets before them. But Jesus is drawing our attention to that we should not be giving in such a way as though it were a trumpet that was blown before us. The praise of men is what these hypocrites are seeking. They are not seeking the relief of the needy. That's giving to the needy, in this case, is a vehicle, a means to get what they want. And so the danger here is seeking the approval of men and not of God. It makes men the final approval prover of our actions instead of God. And so the question we should ask is, are we more grieved that we have sinned against God or that man might think less of us? You ever hear the phrase, it's a figurative expression, don't blow your own? That's the idea here. Don't blow your own horn. The hypocrites are giving in such a way as to attract attention to what they are doing. They are desiring to have others know what they have done. They are attracting, uh, trying to attract the notice of people in order to gain applause. Remember the idea of to be seen of men and the word hypocrite gives us the idea of people who are play acting. Those who are, you know, in our day we would say those who are in the movie. You know, the idea of being in a theater and pretending to be something that you're not. So this admonition in verse 2 is focusing on how we are doing the giving. And we are to do it, of course, 
in verse 3, secretly, in such a way that not even our left hand knows what the right hand, did I do that right, left hand, right hand, is doing. Now there is a case, there is some historical evidence that the trumpets would blow in the temple at Jerusalem to call people together to contribute to some urgent need. Now think about what that would lead to. That, of course, would create an atmosphere for this play acting or this ostentation to go on. A shop owner, for instance, could, after hearing the trumpet blown in the temple, close his shop up hurriedly, rush to the temple in order to give to that need. All would know where he was going. All would know what he was doing. And the haste that he was showing would draw attention to what he was doing and his supposed zeal. John MacArthur said, I believe in his commentary, there is no historical evidence that exists that actual trumpets were, actually, were blown by individuals. I've got to take his word for it. I mean, he's a very well-studied man. But the idea here, figuratively, is not to draw attention to what you're doing. And here are the hypocrites, like play actors, actors in some sort of theatrical production, playing the part of what they are not. One who is seeking to be or appear differently than what they really are. There is the intention to deceive. Actually, the word hypocrite has the idea of one who wears a mask, like they did in plays and theatrical productions. This one commentator called theatrical righteousness. Theatrical righteousness. This person is intentionally trying to deceive. He's wearing a mask. He's pretending to be something he is not. And he's doing what he is doing for the purpose of show. Isn't that what actors in a play are doing? They are concerned with appearance, doing it a certain way. They're doing it for applause. In actuality, their appearance is contradicting what their relationship with God is really like. For instance, a hypocrite could be an unbeliever who is acting like a believer. Or it can be a believer who is sinful, acting like a spiritual Christian. In this case, he's talking about the Pharisees who were often called hypocrites. They sought to appear, to play act righteousness so that others would think more highly of them. This is a subtle kind of hypocrisy. This person, in the beginning, may have known what he has done, but he has persuaded himself into believing that at heart, he really does care and he really does give or do any righteous act with the best interest of the needy in his mind. As this goes on, the person who is a hypocrite, who is seeking the glory of men and the applause of men, 
becomes unaware of his hypocrisy. He feels good, not because he gave, especially giving out of a love and concern uh, for the glory of God and having an inward movement of compassion and mercy towards the needy, but he feels good because he got what he wanted, which was what? The praise of men. That's what he really wanted in his heart. John MacArthur has an excellent section on hypocrites. He says this, and I quote, it uses things that are basically good for the purposes that are basically evil. And he's talking about the hypocrite. So Jesus said, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Now, synagogues and streets are public places. And that's the idea behind this admonition. Don't do your giving in public so people can see. These two words show that public gatherings where offerings were collected is what Jesus is referring to. The synagogue, as I said, would blow a trumpet if there was an urgent need and people would rush to the, to the synagogue or the temple to give towards that need. The synagogue was a public place. Anybody giving would be noticed. Remember when Jesus was standing with the disciples and they were watching how people were giving. As I recall, there were big like trumpet-like vessels that you would give to, and they were located in a certain place, and they sometimes made sounds, depending on how many coins you threw into these brass receptacles. In the first century, the Jewish people took care of the poor and those with needs by public and, of course, some private contributions, but these were all collected and distributed on a regular basis, sometimes very publicly. There were special festival days and synagogue services which gave further opportunities for making these contributions. Jesus said, don't do it in a public way. The reasoning behind why these hypocrites were doing what they were doing is stated there that they may have glory from men. To be honored from men, to be honored before men, to have a reputation of generosity or spirituality, they would get the recognition and the praise which they were looking for. And it's interesting in the verse, verily I say unto you, they have the reward. If that's what they were looking for, God allows them to get it. We all want recognition and praise. This is a very dangerous area for us. We all want to know, be known as spiritual people, generous people, righteous people. The motivation of wanting to be personally recognized, which underlies the hypocrite's giving, betrays its true character. It is a performance. We could do the same thing here. I personally like the way we do giving to the Lord here, having a box in the back. I was very close to doing that in the church where I was pastoring. I wanted to do that. We had people in the congregation who made 
a show of giving. We had at least one gentleman in the congregation. You know, we, had, we used offering envelopes. And on one side, you fill out, you know, your name and amount and all that. He would always put his offering envelope with the amount facing up so that everybody else in the pew could see how much he was giving. There was at least one individual who, when it came time to give, you know, it didn't wave it over his head like a flag, but came pretty close. It was one of these kind of movements, you know, where people could see it going into the offering plate. That's why I wanted to go to this kind of situation. People can quietly go by the box, put in their offering, and nobody knows it. But even this can become something that becomes a show in that you wait for the congregation to be mostly here, okay? And, you know, maybe some group standing around in the back talking where people can see you put it in. It's all in the motivation. You can take any, and this is a good way of doing it, but you can take any situation, you can turn it into an ostentatious show, play acting. And so they were seeking, these hypocrites were seeking glory from men. Jesus said about the Pharisees, these hypocrites, Luke 16, 15, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And so they were giving for the praise of men, giving to others, but the concern was not for the one that they were giving to. The concern was that they would get something in return. And so what did the hypocrites get? An earthly reward, a temporary earthly reward. And it could be public, you know. I was talking with Brother Mike about hospitals, you know, and people give money to put up a new wing, and the hospital puts up this, you know, giving tree and plaques and all sorts of things. And, you know, there could be a public recognition of those who have given to a uh, particular project. But in this case, the hypocrites, they get all they wanted, and that's it. The idea here, it says, verily I sent you, they have their reward. They got the honor from men. They got the approval from men. They got the praise from men. They am, aimed at increasing their reputation, and they got it. Was, were the people around impressed with God or with the hypocrite? They were impressed with the hypocrite. The hypocrites attracted the attention of others, and others looked at them and said, my, how generous he is, how devout he is, how pious he is, how godly he is. Look how giving he is. Look how he cares for the poor and needy. And he got what he wanted. He got the pat on the back. But that's all they will get. Notice this, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The idea behind this Greek phrase is they have been paid in full. And they have been given a receipt. In other words, it was a technical term that means the account was paid in full, it was receipted, and nothing more was going to be given. Nothing more was owed or would be paid. They got everything that they were looking for. If we seek a blessing 
from men, we forfeit God's blessing. Do not, be see, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. These hypocrites, the Pharisees, and hopefully not us, they got what they wanted. They sowed to their flesh. So we can either reap things that will be corrupt, or we can reap things that will last forever, eternal rewards. Notice the end of verse 4. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The idea of our father, our father who is in heaven, will give us an eternal reward for the hypocrites, they gave, motivated by the possibility of the praise of men, and that's what they got. They were sowing to their flesh. They were not really doing righteous acts, real righteous acts, properly motivated, will be rewarded by God. That is genuine piety. That is genuine, righteous, external acts with the proper motivation. Then Jesus says, but when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. In other words, our giving is to be done in secret before God that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Secret giving is seen by the father. No one but God knows about it. In other words, Jesus uses an example, which of course is biologically impossible. Don't let your right hand know what the left hand... No, I'm saying that right. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Not that it matters. The idea is the, there, there's an absence of a public show here. The other thing that this, in a, in a kind of a lesser way, but it still is there, this forbids us even being satisfied with ourselves. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Because... No one else can see what we do, but after we give, we can pat our own selves on the back and be satisfied with what we have done. Our actions, according to this, are to go unnoticed even by ourselves. This is how quiet, how secret our giving ought to be. The image here is of a man passing one who is in need, and he quietly with his right hand gives to the needy in such a quiet way that not even his left hand is aware of what just took place. Now again, that's biologically impossible, but that's how secret our giving is to be. Giving to those in need ought to be a private thing. It should be kept secret as much as is possible. Doing something spontaneously 
without that kind of show, without the trumpet, without the pretense, and we're supposed to do it as discreetly as possible. Now let me mention this. We had, you know, people in the church who had been given to, or others that I'm aware of when I was pastoring, who had been given to in a very secret, private way. And the response of the one who receives that is always what? I want to know who gave so I can do what? So I can thank them. Folks, if somebody gives to you in a very quiet, secret manner, let it remain that way. Don't try to figure out who gave. If they did it, and they did it anonymously, let it be. They're the ones who are going to be rewarded by God. You don't have to give them a thank you. They gave because they're obeying this right here. They might not know it. They may not have come into their mind, but they don't want people to know, and they don't want to thank you from you if they've done it in a quiet, secret way. So our giving should be as discreet as possible. We should not be even congratulating ourselves, according to how I understand this. We should not seek praise even from ourselves. We should give, and then we should forget about it. We shouldn't say in our heart, well, I did a good thing. You ever do that? I have. (laughs) It's like, why did I just think that? Why did I even say it out loud? Why did I pat myself on the back like that? Commentator by the name of Stott said this, and I quote, Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness, not by self-congratulations. That's good. We had to do it in secret. Notice it says, But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That... Notice that word, that, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We are to give in a way that only our Father in heaven is able to see. Do it this way so it's secret, in order that expresses purpose. Give in such a way that your purpose is to keep it secret. That way our giving is not prompted by seeking the praise of men. In other words, give and forget about it. Don't wait around for recognition. Don't let others try to figure it out or drop hints so that they could figure it out. Go on about your business after you've done the giving, like your left hand and your right hand don't know what's going, you know, happening. Doing it this way, giving in secret and discreetly, protects us from giving to impress others. My mother, bless her heart, now in heaven, I remember when she was a secretary at a church. She didn't do this much, but there was a need in the congregation, and she met that need. I think it was some shoes for a child. And she was so excited that she was able to give She told me that she gave. Now, I mean, there was an excitement there, but there was also the fact that it was like she was bursting at the seams to let me know what she did. And again, she she didn't do that often. That's the only time I can remember 
her doing that. And I don't think she was trying to impress me, but she was so excited that she was able to meet that need that she let it slip that she was the one that met the need. We need to be careful. We should scarcely know that we gave and not drop hints that we did it. And the Father who sees in secret, who knows our motives, who judges the heart, he'll know it's a genuine act of righteousness. He will reward us openly. What's interesting here is the way that this is worded, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father. We don't give to establish a relationship with our Father. We give out of the outflow of that relationship with our Father. And we're not trying to impress God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who gives us the strength to get wealth. He gives us our jobs. He gives us the ability to give. We're not impressing God when we give. Notice, there's one constant in this section on giving praying, and fasting. And the constant in this section is that what we do, we do in the presence of our Father. Notice that as you go through these three different subjects. What we do, we do in the presence of God. We live in the presence of God. We as God's children are pictured here as our devotion to God flows from that relationship that we have with him in this world and we live conscious of his presence. To me, this is a very personal area. As I read some books and they were drawing attention to this truth, how often do we go through the day constantly aware of the presence of God? How often do we go through the day constantly aware that we are living in the presence of God? So what I did is I set an alarm on my, you know, we don't do it nowadays. Any guys wearing a watch? Most guys don't wear watches anymore. But I had one of those watches that you could set an alarm to go off every hour. And so I set my alarm on that watch to go off every hour. And when that alarm went off, I would remind myself that I am living in the presence of God. We believe that God is omnipresent, right? You believe that? How often do we forget his presence with us as we go through the day? And how much more should we remember his presence with us when we give, when we pray, and when we fast? That's the idea here, that thy Father in heaven. And what we do flows out of that relationship. We don't do what we do to have a relationship. What we do flows out of that relationship. So our giving is done to the Lord. Here's an interesting verse, Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will pay back what he has given. 
That's a good verse to write down about giving. Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. So in other words, the idea here is that the giving that we do, giving to the needy, whether it be money or food or clothes, we are not really giving it to that needy person. We're giving it to the Lord. We're lending to the Lord. It's giving that springs from that relationship, our worship, our gratefulness to the Lord. And God, Jesus says that secret giving will be rewarded openly. There are spiritual rewards for giving that is done out of a proper motivation. God will repay you. And I think it says openly, he will reward thee openly. Hebrews 4.13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I love Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not forget our giving. And we must, as members of the kingdom of God, be more interested in pleasing our Father than seeking the praise of men. The result, of course, is God rewarding us openly. You know, there's a grand reversal here. You notice that? You do it in secret, God will do what? He's going to reward you openly. Those who wanted the praise and adoration of men for giving to the poor, they'll get it. That's all they'll get. It's paid in full. They were recognized in a public way, but those who give in secret, God will reward them openly. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know where it'll happen, but somehow God will take care of it. How do we apply this? When we do publicly what we can do privately, we're like the hypocrites. Jesus is telling us to avoid that. Let me read you a quote from John MacArthur as he applied these verses to believers. Quote, Unfortunately, many Christian organizations use unchristian methods to motivate or reward support of their ministries. When framed certificate or plaques, published names of generous supporters, or other such recognitions are offered to stimulate giving, hypocrisy is promoted in the name of Christ. It is just as wrong to appeal to wrong motives as to have wrong motives. End quote. John MacArthur. I mean, I've been in different churches, hospitals, camps, one camp that I supported, plaques on the wall showing who gave to have that particular lodge built. Churches putting plaques to show, uh, well, the church where I was pastoring, they had a plaque in the, in the hallway showing who worked on and donated money for the sign that was out front of the church. 
And I told you about a plaque on a refrigerator. We need to be careful, like John MacArthur said, about using methods that actually promote this kind of hypocrisy. Now, we're not talking about a list on the back of the table. If you didn't put a list on the table about the needs that you know, the church has for various supplies, you'd end up with 100 cases of toilet paper and all the other things would be forgotten. We're not talking about that. Okay? You know, I saw the list, and people are going to sign up. The reason people are signing up there is not to show off that they're buying those things. They're signing up by those items so that it doesn't get duplicated or tripled or quadrupled. Okay? I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But if you are the kind of person who will only give so that your name can be put on a plaque, you're like the hypocrites. And I don't personally think we have anybody like this in the congregation. True righteousness, acts of giving, cannot be entirely kept secret. There are going to be times where it's going to come out. I did this myself one time, years, years ago. I was at a Christian Youth Center, and the man mentioned a need. The leader of the Christian Youth Center mentioned a need. And right in the middle of the service, I raised my hand and I said, I'll give $50 to that need. Brother Harv told me later that that started a, an avalanche of giving towards that. And I, honestly, to this day, I couldn't tell you my motive or why I did that. In fact, I didn't even have the $50 to give. And the next week, a man in the church that I attended asked me to paint his garage, and guess what he paid me? $50. Okay. But Brother Harv pulled me aside later, and he told me about keeping giving secret, but did thank me that I started that publicly because other people were coming to him in private after that and giving to that particular need. And within two weeks, the need was met, whatever that was at the time. We should not be drawing attention to these righteous acts of giving. The choice is between pleasing self or pleasing God. And our motive needs to be one that is moved by the Holy Spirit. And I, I can genuinely say that when I raised my hand to give that $50, I felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. It did help meet the need. I don't think I'm going to get a reward for that. I did it publicly, probably shouldn't have. I say that to say, folks, we all do this, don't we? We all want to be recognized. We want others to be impressed. We want others to think highly of us. And Jesus said, don't give like that. Father, help us by your spirit to be motivated with 
compassion and mercy to give to those who have needs around us. And may we do it as quietly and as discreetly as we possibly can. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.